Dynasty Bulls Podcast. Nick Hales is a Redskins sponsor, and Joshua Johnson is here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Bulls, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins. Wagner, Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. You know, in fantasy football, just like in life, a lot of times it's the little things that matter most. For example, this last week, uh, I won a matchup by less than two points. Had Alfred Morris, and it's a PPR league. Morris, who never catches passes, top two balls for three yards. That ended up being the difference in my matchup. <laughs> How are you doing, Josh? Oh, if that is not the best argument for... And against PPR, I don't know what it is. That's 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 brilliant. I love it. Um, uh, well, I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, we're just just me and you today, and of course Chuck will be joining us to do a little ATS picks later. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty excited, and uh, they're gonna have a good show. We're gonna have a lot a lot of good things in store for you. Sit them sit them and start them. Uh, obviously, a dynasty trade analysis. We've got a great dilemma. Um, we're doing Duke Johnson versus Carlos Williams. Now, I was going to do this dilemma last week, but then I got another dilemma advised to me over it. So I thought, oh, wait, and it's interesting what a week makes in in season and how how player values can shift considering uh, the the concussion that Williams apparently suffered on Sunday. So um, I'm just trying to I'm trying to get Nick psyched out. That's all I'm doing. So, uh, but yeah, we have a good things in store for you today. I'll um, get, get two best number 27. We also have a Dynasty Depth Charger. But uh, what are some of your other thoughts on this uh, this weekend here, Nick? Well, I'll give you a couple. Of them. You know, I'm wondering, when is Denver going to be over C.J. Anderson and just play more Ronnie Hillman? Hillman had 11 carries for 103 yards to Anderson's 11 carries, 43 yards and some people will say, well, if you take away the 72-yard touchdown run, you only had 10 carries for 31 yards. But you can't do that. You can't take it away. It happened. And it wasn't even garbage time. It was a second-quarter 72-yard touchdown run. So I just think it's obvious Hillman's better than C.J. Anderson at this point. And then uh, the Bengals, they kind of remind me of one of my uh, fantasy teams, actually. I was sure I was going to win on the backs of my great running back core. My running backs have been a little bit of a disappointment. But just like Cincinnati, I'm 4-0 for other reasons. So the Bengals got to like what they're doing right now. Uh, yeah, there's actually only one league I'm 4-0 in. Um, there's another league that I'm 0-4 in, and so is our buddy Mike Craffick, and we play each other this week, so I guess I guess something's got to give, and one of one of us is going to be a definite seller after this week. Uh, but I, I promise not to, not to sell too much. But, uh, 
yeah, it is it is interesting how that how things lie that way sometimes. Well, it's apparent that Todd Gurley has arrived. Uh four carries for or four touches for over 20 yards in that game. Uh I know it's just one game, but uh you know, as somebody who is counting on a lot of points from Melvin Gordon this week, <laughs> comparatively so, I think Todd Gurley is uh is doing okay so far. That's that's for darn sure. Um Apparently, Andrew Luck passed the good word to Matt Hasselbeck that they don't throw to Andre Johnson anymore. Um, again, was without a catch. I think he had a target, but without a catch. Um, I would probably put a few chips in the basket willing to make a bet that Johnson will probably have a catch against his former mates tomorrow night. Sounds like Luck is going to play, but that is just a, a strange story. I think he's got seven catches for 51 yards on the season, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a catch the last two weeks. So, uh, But I think he can probably bet he'll be in the mix uh, for some touches this week versus his old mates. Um, not even a Riley Cooper and Miles Austin touchdowns could uh, – get the Eagles back to 500. I, I really don't know what's going on with that offense. Um, but I, I guess the only thing to do now, Nick, is just lead you right into Nick Rance because that's, that's what we do here. Uh, Nick has gone to rant um, about somebody that he really likes and is often very passionate about him because he used to be the coach of his Oregon Ducks. Did I say Oregon right? Oregon? Um, <laughs> Oregon with a lowercase u uh, instead of an o. But, uh, yeah. What do you got for us on Mr. Chip Kelly in the one and three Eagles? Well, Chip Kelly and I have a few things in common. We both root for the Ducks on Saturdays. We both can be incredibly stubborn at times and do things for better or worse that strike some folks as borderline crazy. And we both vastly underestimated the effect losing both of their guards in the offseason would have on their offense. But they added last year's rushing champ to Marco Murray and Ryan Matthews. They had Jordan Matthews in year two and Zach Ertz in year three ready to break out. Uh, drafted a great receiver in Nelson Aguilar, and they got former number one overall pick in Sam Bradford. They'll win the Super Bowl for sure. That's what I thought anyway. Oops. Murray is down from uh, 4.7 yards per carry last year to 1.6 this season. And Matthews' yards per carry is nearly a half a yard lower than his career average. And, of course, without being able to run the ball, they're going three and out quite often. So it's not surprising that quarterback Sam Bradford only has six touchdowns in four games to go with his four interceptions. Tom Harriman's and Evan Mathis won't be walking through the door to help. Neither would David Akers, but that's a whole other can of worms. Uh, Chip's decision to rely on highly unproven guys like Josh Andrews and Alan Barber to replace his former standout may have put Philly's postseason hopes in jeopardy. And depending on how ugly things get, his job may also be on the line. But don't worry, Chip, as bad as the Ducks played this year. I'm sure Oregon would welcome you back with open arms. Josh? <sighs> would would Oregon really op- welcome him back? I don't know. He's he's kind of got out of that they NFL had power worst, trip where he could... <laughs> they had their worst home loss since 1977. That's before I was born. Oh, I, I think we would take yeah. him back, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's. I think he's kind of on a power trip, though, in terms of what he can do at the next level and how he can just get rid of people at a drop of a hat. I. Uh, I would be willing to bet he would make take like a a lateral move. Maybe he could go to maybe go to Miami because you know they already have no offensive line. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I. 
I, I'm as surprised as you are. I just I don't exactly know what's going on there and what and what they're thinking. But I mean, they just basically cut Evan Mathis, right? I mean, it was just like, oh uh, yeah, we don't need this guy. I'm like really, you don't need uh, a veteran offensive lineman. You know, we talked about that all off season. Every, just about every team needs to draft some kind of offensive lineman, and uh, it's certainly come back to haunt them uh, already in this, these early stages. So. Uh, We'll see. You know, they're not they're not down and out. They're not they're not 0 and 4, which I think is probably a death sentence in the NFL in terms of your prospects for that year. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, is there an Oregon Duck that he can Chip Kelly? Should he retain his job uh, but have a top 10 pick next year? Is there an Oregon Duck that he can draft that can save their <laughs> save their future? I think. Uh, uh, DeForest, I can't remember his last name, but I think he's probably the only duck projected to go in the first round right now. But uh, I guess we'll see what happens there up in Philadelphia, over there in Philadelphia. But let's get to some uh, dynasty trade analysis. What do you think about Thomas Rawls for a second-round pick? Now, I should preface it with all of these picks were made before uh, all these drafts trades were made before last weekend's game. So Rawls, just I think 2.6 yards per carry Monday night, didn't look the greatest, but he certainly has a role with Marshawn Hurt. Yeah, a second rounder, that's a bit much for me to give up. Uh, I, I guess if I had Marshawn Lynch and really was desperate for a starter there at running back, I might consider this trade, but I would try to do it for a third or lower. A second round pick, that seems a little high to me. Uh for me, it seems like yeah, this is what this is what I need to do. I don't want to go back and forth with this person on a bunch of trade offers. I want him. This is what I'm going to give. And I think if obviously if it's offered to me, I would probably jump on it. And uh, but uh, if I was if it was if it was the reverse, I, yeah, I feel like you could maybe you know try a try a fourth and then maybe say okay I'll give up a third and and uh enroll with it there because I mean brings us to our our, our next one uh and obviously a, an injury doesn't sound like it's too serious no structural damage but uh same thing a second round pick traded here for Eric Ebron who had his worst game of the year on Monday night but that's because he had to leave the game due to a, a nasty knee injury it looked like it was going to be a lot worse when I saw the replay I was thinking oh my gosh he tore his ACL and uh, I put a lot of stock in Ebron this year. So what do you think about Ebron for a second-round pick? Uh, well, provided that the injury isn't serious, which it doesn't appear to be, and I agree with you, it did look a lot worse than it ended up being. But uh, seeing the not a serious injury, I think it's a pretty fair trade. Ebron looks like he's kind of on the precipice of breaking out in, in his second year now. Um, and, you know, he was probably a guy that went in the first round in his rookie draft. So getting him for a second-round pick from next year, I think that's a pretty, pretty fair deal. Yeah, and considering before he had a leading game Monday, all, all, all the other games this year he had um, uh, d- double-digit PPR points. So, I mean, he was certainly on on the cusp of breaking out. And I think what maybe saved him uh, in that play is he was able to pull – I mean, he got he got rolled on by a 300-pound center, center, Travis Swanson, but Ebron was actually able to pull his leg out uh, usually when you see that happen, you see the player collapse, and then their body weight is probably what tears the ACL. Oh, I just got a gross visual there um, inside of a knee. But, uh, yeah, that's probably probably was the saving grace there. Okay, a little more of an, a little more players on the move. Actually, no picks in this one. Uh, Jeremy Hill, Jarek McKinnon, Brashard Perryman, 
probably made before the news on Perryman uh, being out for most, most possibly the rest of this year. So Hill, McKinnon, Perryman for Jordan Matthews, Amir Abdullah, and Jordan Reed. What do you think? I, I think it's tough giving up on Jeremy Hill. I know he had a little bit of a fumble issue earlier in the season, but I think he scored three touchdowns last week. Uh, Jarek McKinnon probably not going to be worth much until Adrian Peterson moves on. We don't know what's going to happen at that point. And like you said, Rashad Perryman out for the year. Jordan Matthews has kind of struggled a little bit this year. I, I guess if you're – well, the whole Eagles offense has struggled this year. Um, Amir Abdullah got some nice upside. Jordan Reed can't stay healthy. So I guess if you're really high on Amir Abdullah, then this is a decent trade. But I, I personally would not want to give up Jeremy Hill right now. Um, you know, I agree with you. And um, this doesn't seem like anybody's selling low on Jeremy Hill, though. Um, you know, just looking at this, uh, I guess you get Amir Abdullah, who's a little bit younger, and could potentially have the same type of career as Jeremy Hill. I, I do honestly believe that. I think Matthews is going to be fine. And uh, Jordan Reed, you look at those three guys that this player has given up, and I'm assuming the guy that's uh, getting McKinnon and Perryman and Hill are probably uh, rebuilding, and you had to give up a young piece, a couple young pieces to do so. But when I look at Matthews, Abdullah, and Jordan Reed, I think those are three players that I know I could probably – feel pretty safe starting every week this week. Yeah, they're going to have their bad games, but I feel like I could. those are guys that I could plug into my lineup every week and, and, and know that, you know, hopefully they could they could have some big games and, that, and, I'll, and I'll be rewarded for it. So, uh, you know, McKinnon's kind of disappeared the last couple of weeks, and uh, like I said, Perryman's more than likely done for the year already. So I've tried to buy low on him, and that just wasn't happening. Uh, James Jones for a second and a third round pick. What do you think about that? Ransom? Uh, yeah, that's a lot. I think I'd have to be in the exact right position. Like if I had been stockpiling picks, not expecting to be a contender this year, and then all of a sudden I got a bunch of breakout guys and I am in the position of being a contender and I've got a bunch of extra picks, then maybe I would give up a second and a third for James Jones. Cause let's face it. Jones probably isn't going to be, have much value after this season. So if I was in the right situation, then I would make this trade, but it would have to be an ideal situation. Yeah, and it seems like if you were stockpiling picks, you're probably rebuilding. So what good is James Jones going to do you unless you think you can flip him to a Packers fan or something for more? But I don't think people in Dynasty get let their let their heart get in the way like that. So um, I am trying to sell James Jones myself, not having – that any any kind of luck remotely in that ballpark, um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I certainly think he's got good value. He's a, he's a great play this year, and it's just kind of crazy, you know what what a few weeks makes. You know, I think I asked you when he got cut by the Giants. I I was almost considering dropping him, and he's he's probably been the best receiver I've had at my team all year. It's just kind of kind of how the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. Sometimes. Oh. Unfortunately and fortunately sometimes, I should say. So um, I'm glad to at least have a, have a piece. And it, it is weird, you know, uh, being in DFW 36 where we have three six teams, three copies of each player, how picks just are shuffled all over the place. And, like, I'll go to make somebody a trade offer and they'll, like, literally have, like, one or two picks left for next year. And some people have, like, four or five first-rounders and a bunch of second-rounders. <laughs> it's just crazy how 
how that gets mixed up and mashed throughout the off, off season. And it's not going to, you know, it's going to be maybe a little bit more evened out, but those picks are going to change hands uh, so much uh, during the course of this year and during the course of the next off season until the rookie draft. It's just, it's wild. It's wild and woolly and it's fun, fun dynasty action. Let's get to some cinnamon stardom here, Nick. What do we think about Blake Bortles at Tampa or James Winston versus the Jags? Well, I personally would not feel any more comfortable starting Winston any given week this year than I would have uh, felt comfortable starting Bortles last year. I don't give up on Winston, of course. I think he could make the same year two jump as Bortles seems to have done. Uh, you know, in DFW 16, I have uh, Bortles and Big Ben Roethlisberger, and I got outbid for Michael Vick, so I thought I was done. But Bortles actually could keep me at the 500. He had almost 300 yards and zero interceptions uh, in 50 attempts last week. Whereas you look at Winston's week last week, four interceptions, eh, I don't know. I think I'm going to roll with the hot hand here and go with uh, Blake Bortles. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say he is certainly a hot hand right now. Um, interestingly enough, I got I got to pull it up and put it. But I saw on Twitter that Jacksonville is the only team with two receivers inside like the top twenty or top fifteen of fantasy points right now. That's Jacksonville is the only team. You look at guys, you know, like Julio and AJ and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's got like twelve more targets than anybody else. Uh, but it's Jacksonville of all teams who have. Two two players in the top fifteen, um, so Bortles certainly has options, which is which is uh, you know obviously good for a young quarterback to not have. I mean, obviously you want to have have that number one guy and have him be able to lean on them. But if you have the if you have the the pleasure of being able to spread things around like that, that's uh, uh, that's pretty nice. Um, that was uh, Curtis Patrick who posted that on Twitter. CC Patrick thirteen. Um, Jags are the only team in the NFL, two wide receivers in the top 15. Boyles is 11th in passing, Yeldon is 12th in rushing. Uh, but their offense is 31st in points. Um, thank you very much, Jacksonville's kicker, uh, who's probably not even there anymore. Oh, wow. How did we not mention kickers earlier, Nick? What an awesome, crazy week that was. Uh, and I, to Jacksonville's, I mean, to their kickers, you know, if you want to sympathize with them a little bit, I think it was a 48 and a 52-yarder. It's not like he was missing, you know, like 32-yard kicks like Blair Walsh. Did he break his leg in the offseason? I don't know what's going on with that guy. But, uh, yeah, and now Buffalo signs a kicker and didn't cut Dan Carpenter. Wow. wow, I almost wish I was like a – 25 years old and kicked in, kicked out of D1 school, Nick, and you know, I was just like, no, oh, I'd be getting all these tryouts right now, you know, and who who knows, maybe making you know, 300 large for to be on a NFL roster for four games, but uh, yeah, been an, been an interesting year, but um, yeah, I guess I would probably start Boyles too, even though um, even though that they, they have some decent weapons in that backfield there for Tampa, um, I just. And Winston, you know, made – Vincent Jackson had some awesome garbage time points last week. Unfortunately, he was on my bench. Uh, but uh, – so Winston could maybe have a little second-half surge, but I don't see this being a game where Jacksonville just dominates in the first half. I don't think they're that kind of team. I don't think they have that kind of weapon. So I think this is going to be a close game. I think turnovers are going to tell a big story. Uh, as they so often do in the NFL, and I, and I don't see any garbage time points coming out of Winston this week, so that's why I got to go for Orioles. Um, 
Andy Dalton versus Russell Wilson. What do you think about this one? Well, the fact that we're even having this debate shows how good Andy Dalton has been this year. Last week, 386 yards passing. He's been playing great football. But now that Cam Chancellor is back for Seattle, I have to go with Russell Wilson. Uh, Wilson had 287 yards passing and 40 rushing yards last week. And I think it's those rushing yards that really tip the scales in Wilson's favor in this debate. Still there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, it's weird because it's such – it's Seattle, and we're going to have to – we'll probably talk about the same thing when we do some ATS picks later, but it's Seattle on the road, and everybody's still waiting for that big Cincinnati letdown game. Um, you know, I want to say this is a close game. I want to believe that Seattle can go in there – and win, and obviously it's NFL, and there's parity, and anybody can do that. But uh, you know, Sherman's going to be on AJ Green. Uh, is there another quarterback out? Like, is there somebody that you would bench Russell Wilson over? Like, like you know, maybe somebody on the on the fringe, like like a Tyrod Taylor versus Tennessee. What do you think about that in this mix, Nick? Over Russell Wilson, uh, it'd be tough. I mean, he, Russell Wilson going into the year was a, pretty much a consensus top five dynasty quarterback. So, you know, you got to have a pretty elite option to bench him against uh, Cincinnati, I think. Uh, Cincinnati's pretty good along the line of scrimmage, though. Um, one of one of the thing one of the sit and starts I nailed in our IDP article last week was uh, Vincent Ray, who absolutely went off, which actually surprised me that he did as well as he did. I, I thought he was going to do well, but uh, I didn't realize he was going to do that well. Um, so that that was interesting. So I think they're pretty good along along the, along the edges and along the lines. Um, and uh, I guess I don't know how they are against uh, running backs, but I, you know, their offense has not won that many games this year so far, Seattle. So, and Cincinnati's defense is pretty solid. So as far as Dalton and and uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, I'm sure they're projected to score like you know one fifteen, one sixteen points. Uh, I think I think you just flip a quarter because I do I do like the secondary options in Cincy with um, you know KJ Wright and obviously Cam Chancellor too, probably matching up a little bit with Tyler Eifert. Uh, Muhammad Sanu had a decent game last week, and Marvin Jones has had some moments this year. So I. I I think I'd I think I'd probably go with Dalton, but uh it's still kind of a still kind of a quarter flip for me. Um what do you think about uh Justin Forsett, who actually looked fairly decent against the Steelers on Thursday, or Dion Lewis at the Dallas Cowboys with Greg Hardy? Uh, well, first I need to correct myself. I, I said that, that Dalton had 386 yards last week. He actually had 321. The 386 was how many yards they gave up to Alex Smith. So, you know, that Cincinnati pass defense might be a little bit suspect. But anyway, moving on to Justin Forsett or Deion Lewis. Uh, so you're asking me to choose between the guy who had 1,200 yards last year and 150 yards last week against the Steelers and the guy who may not even lead the team in carries in Deion Lewis. Now, with, you know, I mean, it's New England running back. <laughs> I'll take Forsett. You know, I, I'll admit that I do discriminate a little bit against New England running backs. I just uh, I hate playing that game of roulette. But, yeah, I, I'm going to force that this week. Here's an interesting thing in this game. Belichick is so good 
at game planning. But here comes Dallas with Greg Hardy, who he's never seen on this defense before. And I think Randy Gregory might be questionable too. I mean, how does he game plan against what you know, obviously he can watch game film and I know I know Belichick's not worried, but it'll be interesting to see how they're gonna be able how they will adjust to those to those players, especially I mean, I expect Hardy to be in shape, healthy and just ready to ready to to, to do a lot of damage for uh, this defense. So I that's gonna be interesting there. But uh that has nothing to do with the with um uh well that has something to do with those. I I think because of the maybe the edge pressure Dallas could 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 give uh Brady, I think Lewis might be a nice check down option. In PPR leagues I think I would certainly go him. If it was a standard I definitely would go uh go for that, but nobody plays standard leagues anymore. So uh it's it's a good question. I think these people. I think that this is a lot closer than many want to believe. Because you know, up until what Forsett did last week, he had pretty much struggled all year. So, I mean, maybe maybe you want to write a player why it's hot, but you know, that's you know, it's kind of one of those cases where like I didn't start Ruben Randall two weeks ago when he had the big big week on Thursday against the Skins. And uh, so then, of course, they started him next week, and he only had ten points. So, I mean, that's just <laughs> now, that's just how how it how it uh, goes sometimes. It's it's a, a frustrating struggle, but you just you just don't know. Um, we had sorry, somebody was got another quest, dynasty trade analysis question on Twitter, Nick, that I wanted to throw your way, and I just want to tell the person we're talking about it. What happened? Um, Jordan Matthews and Deion Lewis, speaking of Deion Lewis, for DeAndre Hopkins. What do you think? Oh, I think whoever got DeAndre Hopkins got a steal there. I mean, Jordan Matthews, yes, he has a lot of potential and could end up being a top 10 receiver in the NFL, but he's not there yet, whereas DeAndre Hopkins definitely, without a question, is a top 10 receiver, probably more like a top five guy, so definitely would pull off that, that trade. Yeah, he and he was – oh. Tweet has actually been taken down. I don't even know. I wish I could. Uh, okay, sorry. Well, they took the tweet down, and he was asking if he should trade Hopkins for for uh, Matthews and Lewis. And uh, yeah, I mean, we just don't know. And Dion Lewis is what you know, eight year veteran, so we just don't know what his future is going to be. Obviously, he can be a productive piece right now, uh, but we just don't know. Uh, what he's going to mean, what or what his future is going to be post this year. I mean, he could have two bad weeks, and we could, you know, never hear from him again. He'll be backing up Jonas Gray in Miami. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good thoughts there. Uh, pick a Giants running back versus the 49ers. I really wanted to say Winers, but I didn't. Well, if you look at last week, Andre Williams actually led the team in carries with 11, but I'm going to go with uh, Rashard Jennings. Nine carries for 38 yards last week, plus two uh, receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown, that big highlight reel type of uh, touchdown catch he had. Mm -hmm. And you look at Shane Vereen actually had zero catches last week, so I think Jennings has to be the safest. He contributes in the passing game, both in close games and in blowout losses, and he sees more carries than Vereen, so i got to go with Jennings. Yeah, what the hell, Shane Vereen? I mean, he's it's like he's still in New England. You know, he had like eight receptions one week and then 
two fantasy points the next week and no receptions the next week. It's just like, is Belichick like coaching Coughlin on how to use him, or do you only he can only play every every four games? He can only really feature him. I I don't get it. Um, I think I would actually go Andre Williams because I feel like he is you know where, where he's maybe the third option in this in this on this team. He they they, they want to keep Jennings healthy. This should you know should be a game where the Giants you know win. I would say by at least a touchdown. So I think they're going to want to, you know, just run out the clock in the second half, and I think that could be to Williams' benefit. He'll maybe score a late touchdown, but I, I certainly think he'll see the lion's share of the carries, most well, certainly the lion's share in the second half of the carries. So I would go under Williams because I own him. Uh, pick a Redskins running back. Your boy Thompson looked pretty good again last week, Nick. Uh, but we also got – Jones and Morris. What, what do you what do you think? Well, I think the undefeated Falcons should get a pretty big lead in this game, so the Skins are going to have to throw. So uh, my dynasty death charge from last week, Chris Thompson, could again have a good week. Uh, and you look at last week when the Redskins controlled a lot of the game, Thompson still had 53 yards on the ground and then another two catches for 24 yards receiving. Morris and Jones only had 76 total yards combined between the two of them. So I'm going to have to go with Chris Thompson again. Huh. Really, to outscore Alf Morris, that's interesting. It's, oh, that's, it's, do you have a three-sided coin? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a tough call. It's just you want to you – you make a good point about Atlanta getting a lead. But I also don't feel like um, I also don't feel like you're giving your Redskins enough credit. I, they, they've been they haven't really been blown out except for that game against the Giants, and they've been in every other game really. I mean they 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 beat the Rams. I mean they have potential. I think they're obviously having their ups and downs with Kirk Cousins, but I think uh, I guess they are at Atlanta. And Atlanta's pretty darn tough at home, but uh, and, and coincidentally, like, and Atlanta. Like, like, go ahead. Like you said, they're good in, in every other game. Then this is the other game. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and Atlanta is only giving up 85 uh, rushing yards, but I think that that number is probably jaded because they are four zero, and they've had they've had leads, you know, in games. Obviously, they came back against Dallas. Uh, but they they led Philly. Uh, Philly's not rushing against anybody this year. I think we've already established that. Uh, uh, but you know, your Washington Redskins are only giving up 78 yards per per game, and they're not they're not you know leading by a whole bunch in the fourth quarter by any any other games too. So that this could be a close game. You know, the the Julio uh, Breland matchup. I'm looking forward to uh, Williams Trent Williams. Possibly going against Vic Beasley, I think that'd be good. I think Morgan Moses can also teach Mr. Rookie Beasley a few things. So, where did we get on this tangent? Oh, we're picking a Redskins running back. Uh, give me Alfred Morris. Why not? Is that the, is that the safe cop out pick? Probably, but uh, I'm going to go with Alfred Morris. I, I say he scores two touchdowns in this game, and Thompson has still has some nice receptions. So. I'd say start him, but uh, what do you think? Is Vincent Jackson going to be back, Nick? I think you are not Vincent Jackson. 
Deshaun Jackson, he went. Yeah, I know he did some drills today in practice. That's maybe a good sign if he continues to practice more, right? Yeah, yeah, great that he's back in practice again, but I uh, I have a feeling they're going to wait until he's closer to 100% to roll him out, maybe more like next week instead of this week. You just hate to rush him out there too early with those tissue inju- injuries and have him re-aggravate it. Yeah. He hasn't played since, like, week one, though, right? I mean, kind of almost like a Darren McFadden yep, situation going on. Yeah, sec- second series in week one is when he went down. Okay. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, who I know has not produced a lot of a lot of fantasy stats this year, uh, but he made a phenomenal catch versus the Redskins. Did you see that one-handed catch he made down the field? I, I still just it's like wow every time I watch it. Um, and he also made some nice moves on uh, on Breland, who's a corner that I really respect. So Aguilar. Oh, Versus the Saints or Michael Floyd at Detroit. What do you think? Well, I think Michael Floyd is uh, Arizona's wide receiver three for fantasy purposes anyway. Plus, you got David Johnson taking targets away from him, and Detroit's got a better defense than New Orleans. So, you know, I know Aguilar's been a disappointment so far, especially considering I picked him for my offensive rookie of the year, but I don't think I'm going to roll with Aguilar in this one. Um,. Yeah, the Saints don't really have a secondary, do they? Um, this game is in Philadelphia. Uh, it's like who who does who doesn't want to lose this game? Is I think it's what it's going to come down to. Um, you know, in Floyd actually might be their fourth wide receiver. I think I saw on Pro Football Focus that. Uh, Half, over over half of David Johnson's snaps has been at receiver, technically, you know, like slot receiver or where he's almost, you know, almost like the H-back or a move tight end type of thing. So, um, you know, Floyd is going to be healthy, and, you know, nobody's going to have him in his lineup when he has a big game. But uh, – and Aguilar is a safe pick, but I'll still, I'll still go. I'll still go with Aguilar with you. Um you know, I really like Darius Slay for Detroit, and I think he'll I think he'll do some do some good things to keep Larry Fitzgerald somewhat contained. So, uh, uh, obviously, you're probably starting John Brown anyway, but I would say definitely start John Brown. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with Aguilar and still pray that Floyd will eventually come around. There's one league that I have to start him in, but I am four four and zero in that league, so uh, I guess I guess I should just feel lucky there. Let's get to some. Oh, there's a couple more here. Allen Robinson at Tampa or Vincent Jackson versus the Jags. Kind of the flip of Winston and Bortles. What do you think? Well, you got your classic debate of safe play and Allen Robinson against the boomer bus guy and Vincent Jackson. Uh, Jackson had a 10 catches, 147 yards and a touchdown last week, and I think he goes over 100 yards again this week. Plus, it's just so tough to predict the target there in Jacksonville. Uh, you look at Allen Hearns last week, had 11 catches. Robinson only had four. So it came kind of up and down as far as the targets there for the Jaguars. So I'll go with Vincent Jackson again. Speaking of Jacksonville receivers, I have a reason to talk about Rashard Green, even though he's out for the year a little bit later on. We'll get to that. Uh, but you're right. You know, the targets really, really fluctuate in that offense. Um, I just feel like 
you know, because Vincent Jacks is on my bench and he had 30 PPR points last week, I'll start him and hope he'll have, you know, like three catches for 20 yards or something like that. Um, but uh, I guess I'm not going to start Charles Sims over him. So, and Jarvis Landry's on a bye. It's it's so weird how, how Landry is such a valuable piece and then that team is so terrible. But anyway, I guess I'll go with Vincent Jackson. I think he's just maybe convinced me to start a mix. So here we go, Vincent Jackson. Uh, Antonio Gates is back this week. Nick, and he gets the Steelers on Monday night. Or are you going to start Charles Clay at Tennessee? What do you think? Well, in the offseason, I questioned how effective Clay would be in Buffalo, but he proved me wrong. Nine catches, 111 yards last week. So in PPR leagues, I would for sure go with Charles Clay. Uh, I think the only way I would take Gates is in some weird, really touchdown-heavy scoring league. I think Gates might be a little more likely to find the end zone, but in most leagues, I would go with Charles Clay. Yeah, I think they'll really do what what they can to get to get Gates involved in this game. I, you know, just to just to really get him pumped up and get him going for the for the year. Uh, and speaking of Clay, I actually picked him up and used him in my PPR league last week that I have Gronk. So that was that was a nice commodity, even though I didn't uh, I didn't win, unfortunately. But um, I got to go Gates. I, I know I know Clay had a great week, and I know you know Watkins is out. Buffalo's resorted to signing. Uh, Boom Heron and uh, Denarius Moore this week, but so Clay is obviously going to be needed. But I, I think I would actually, I think I'd actually think Robert Woods could be a nice, a nice piece this week if you have him. I would say start him. But so, um, and I, and I think just because Clay had such a good game last week that Tennessee will focus on that. I think they have decent uh, uh, outside linebackers and uh, and safeties guys that can really contain. Uh, Clay, I wish, I wish I had the breakdown of uh, depth of target for Clay because a lot of that stuff was around. They threw him a couple screen passes, which is interesting. I think he is one. Of, you know, he's kind of one of my favorite players in the league just because he's got that history of being a running back in college. He's got he's got so many so many moves for a, for a tight end. You just don't you just don't see that. Obviously, there's athletic tight ends out there, but. Uh, He's a he's an interesting player, and I re- really really like him. He's just he's a, he just he seems like a fun player to have as an offensive coordinator because he can do so many things and do them well, which is really cool. But I think I think Rivers wants to get Gates super involved in this game, and they have they have young guys on the outside, and there's uh, you know certainly bang, uh, injury issues within that secondary against Pittsburgh. So I'm gonna go Gates. They're gonna I think they just feed him the ball, and and I think. Ladarius Green's a little beat up too, so I gotta go Gates there. Uh, IDP sit him and start him, Nick. Let's let's stay in this same game here as I'm picking Gates with, with uh, Stefan Tuitt, who is uh, trending off the charts right now, or Cameron Hayward. So both Pittsburgh defensive ends versus uh, Philip Rivers and company on Monday night in San Diego. What do you think? Well, you look at what they've done this year. Tua has a sack in each of the last three games and had ten tackles last week. Uh, Cameron Hayward has less sacks, three and a half to two, and he's also got a low floor. You look at week three, uh, Hayward had one assist and nothing else. So uh, you know, I'll take Tua this weekend, and I'll take him moving forward over Hayward until further notice. Uh, 
and again, it's 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 weird weird and wild how things happen week to week. Last week we talked about trust me, I'm getting to the point here. Last week we talked about uh, are these people droppable? And I could not bring myself to say yes, I will drop Kenny Stills. But I trust you, Nick, and I when I went ahead and dropped him anyway because somebody dropped Cameron Hayward. Played him Thursday night, and he had he had an awesome game for me. Uh, but then, of course, Stills goes off, has five receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown. So that's it's just, you know, he, I mean, he was just seemed like you were scraping the bottle on the barrel if you're picking him up last week. And I don't know if he was started, how, how universally he was started, but uh, it's crazy how that goes. Yeah, Hayward is up and down. Our buddy uh, Bruce Kimbrough, who writes the IDP waiver wire, is very vocal about how he'll have those big games and then disappear for a couple weeks. And, you know, that's obviously happened already this year. Uh, but I just wonder if with two it being maybe the main focus for this offense this year or this week in terms of how they need to stop him. I wonder, I wonder if that's uh, that could be his to his uh, detriment. And I think, excuse me, we're talking about to it in our question and answer that's coming out on Saturday. And one thing to note is to it's had really, really, really good games the last two weeks. And that's without Pittsburgh having Ryan Shazier. So I think Shazier is going to maybe beat to it to a few of those tackles. It sounds like he is going to play on Monday night, and at least he's on track. I don't know if he's practicing today, but uh, Shazier is going to be back in the middle, and he plays kind of on that same side that to it does. So that that might hurt to it, and he might slip down to being a little more of a sack-dependent player. But uh, So I guess, I guess I'll go to it because he's the hot hand right now. But um, – I'm not not sure on it. And I don't own to it, so I, I want Hayward to have a good team, too. Um, let's stick in the teammates against each other. Uh, gosh. Talk about playing Denver at the wrong time. I know, they're, I know they're getting lucky and just squeaking out games, but this Denver defense, holy cow. Uh, DeMarcus Ware or Vaughn Miller? What do you think? At Oakland. Well, Miller's. Uh, Miller's got two sacks on the year and under 10 tackles, whereas DeMarcus Ware has a sack every single week and had uh, 10 solo tackles. They're both decent plays, but I think, well, DeMarcus Ware has just been so much more consistent this year that I would have to take Ware. Huh. It's not like Oakland has a tight end that either one of these guys are going to have to pay attention to. Who's faster, I wonder? Seems like we were ready to, to bury Ware after he left Dallas because he was so old, and he just doesn't seem to slow down. Um, Miller's – yeah, these guys are just going to be coming at David Carr all day. Or did I say David Carr? Oh, my God. Uh, Derek Carr. <laughs> they're going to be coming at him all day. Oh, and they don't – their running game – or their, their run defense is just brutal, too. Brutal, like good. Um, oh, I'll be really surprised if the Raiders make a game about this. Uh, I'll go Miller, I guess. Since you, t- since you took where, I'll go Miller. But, I mean, they're both going to have two sacks. I mean, it's just going to be brutal. I just hope the Raiders come out of this game healthy. That was me knocking on wood. Uh, Kareem Jackson versus the Colts. Possibly Andre Johnson. Or Brandon Carr. Versus the Pats. What do you think? 
Well, Freeman Jackson definitely has upside. You look at it, he's playing in a Thursday game, and offenses historically struggle on Thursday nights. Uh, Andrew Luck hasn't played very well this year and is hurting. So the, there's definitely a good chance for a pick six there for Kareem Jackson. But whereas, you know, Brandon Carr against Tom Brady, probably not going to have an interception for a touchdown. But I like Carr simply because he's not that good, and Brady and New England know this, so, so they're going to throw at him a lot. And so, you know, with the defenders, especially I love a guy with a high floor that's not going to lose the game for me. So I'll go with Brandon Carr simply because I think he'll make a lot of tackles this week. Well, like I said earlier, just like with Andre Johnson wanting to have a good game coming back, I think Houston is going to be all about not stopping them. I don't think that's going to be their their number one option, but uh, I think they're going to make sure that he – he doesn't have a good game. That you know, they're they're not going to give him any special treatment. JJ Watt basically said that this morning. So you know, if if they have Jonathan Joseph locked on Johnson just to make sure, you know, that means Kareem's going to get to get either you know Ty or or Moncrief or Dorsett, you know, the burners downfield. And you know, you said offenses historically struggle on Thursday. I, is that necessarily good news for quarterbacks? Because you could, you almost kind of want this game to be a shootout. So at least, you know, if, if they're giving up receptions, at least they have a chance to make to make a tackle. But I do hear what you're saying uh, about the pick six. So, you know, it's it's a shame that this Texas team is so Texas team is so bad because that's a nice pair of corners they have there, and even I mean, they got that Watt and Clowney, Cushing's playing better. I just it, I, I just yeah, it seems like such a waste that they're, you know, just one and three and not doing a darn thing. But maybe Arian Foster will have a have a big game this week and they can get back in the win column. So, oh, I, I got to choose somebody. Sorry, I'm just getting off on tangents here. Uh, let's go with Kareem Jackson, I guess. You, you, chose, you chose Carr, right? I'll go. I'll go on the contrary. Let's get to our dynasty dilemma. Us is another thing that we do on a weekly basis is where we pit two players against each other. Um, it was Nick's turn to go first, so he chose uh, the player who he owns in a lot of leagues and uh, pretty obviously pretty happy considering his uh, his ADP. So uh, why don't, uh, Nick's going to get us started as we do Carlos Williams versus Duke Johnson. Nick will go, and then I will go, and then Nick will have a chance to rebut. What do you got for us? <laughs> Well, Duke Johnson is promising, yes. Last week, nine uh, nine catches for 81 yards and a touchdown receiving, another eight carries for 31 yards rushing. But that was his only touchdown that he scored this year, and he's only five foot nine, so he's probably not going to be a big goal line threat. Carlos Williams, on the other hand, six foot one, 225 pounds, prototype goal line type of back. But his numbers say that he's more than that. You know, through four games, Williams has averaged 5.4 yards per carry and has scored a touchdown every single game. I repeat, every single game in the NFL, Carlos Williams has played. He's scored a touchdown. Remember, this fifth-round pick was impressive enough for the Bills to unload their longtime running back, Fred Jackson, and also the younger Bryce Brown. And when zero running backs had a carry for Buffalo last week, other than Williams, you know the team trusts it. For a rookie, that's just crazy in the first month of the season. Now, some say Duke Johnson will eventually start over Coel in Cleveland. I'm not sure about that, both because of his size and the fact that Johnson has yet to average four yards per carry in a game yet this year, something Crowell has done in half of the games. Uh, now, Shady McCoy is in town, at least what's left of him, so it does appear that Johnson has a clearer path to playing time, but, you know, game action doesn't always mean points. 
it's been a long time since we've seen a, a Cleveland running back have sustained success. Now, like you said, Carlos Williams was a sleeper of mine. I've got him in three leagues, and I wouldn't move him for Duke Johnson, Prince Johnson, King Johnson, nobody. I like me to Carlos Williams. Josh? Uh, you said a lot of things I thought you were going to say, but we'll get to that here. Um, so Duke appears to be fully healthy. You know, he did have some ham, some hammy on a concussion early on, so we'll get to that with uh, Carlos, too. Appears to be fully healthy, and I think he's finally clicking in this Browns scheme. Um, and, you know, like you said about Buffalo, obviously, is trusting Carlos. Um, you said, And you said that's crazy for a rookie. But, I mean, is Rex Ryan really sane? Do we think Rex Ryan is actually sane? Um, <laughs> so, Carlos, I'm, and he's all the rage with Shady on the shelf. You know, Shady's on the shelf for probably an extended period of time as we're looking. Um but as far as long-term dynasty value, I think I just got to go with Duke here. Um, now, Carlos is under concussion protocol, which is obviously just a temporary thing, but for a running back that gets tackled 15 to 20 times per game and sometimes by multiple people, it could have a long-standing effect on their emotional status and, and their kind of their level of aggressiveness too. Um, you know, this can be said for any running back. You know, Duke's already had his – already had his concussion as well. And Eddie Lacy started 2014 last year with a similar injury, and he seems to be doing just fine right now. Um, considering, you know, Trent Richardson was boarding a plane to Buffalo yesterday, we really got to wonder about the severity of, uh, of Carlos's uh, concussion there. They did sign Boom here, and that was made official this morning. Um, uh, but uh, injuries – are a reoccurring nightmare for running backs that running backs must face and coaching staff certainly lose a lot of sleep over them. But that's why we as dynasty owners, I think invest heavily in young wide receivers. And still we, we drafted Melvin Gordon over Amari Cooper, you know, basically trustworthy running backs are trustworthy. RB talent is just like a, like a peanut allergy in the school cafeteria, rare, but deadly. Uh, now, I know Nick can rebut with his draft value on Williams versus Johnson. He can bang on the Cleveland franchise like like he already did, and he so often does. Um, but Duke is a dual threat, uh, much like our dilemma last week for David Johnson versus Matt Jones. Duke is clearly a more complete back. Williams fits the Rex Ryan scheme. I grant you that. Uh, but Johnson has a challenge, and Johnson has a challenge ahead of him. But he also has the luxury of letting – uh, Isaiah Crowell take the abuse inside this season. He can watch and learn and how to protect himself going forward. Williams' game is really predicated on being a pile mover and a boost. Since his NFL sample size is so slight, I must revert to Duke Johnson's college days to, and and how how he let out how he left guys like Clinton Portis, Edward James, and Frank Gore in his wake on his way through the record books at Miami. All those backs played on very good Miami teams and were spoon-fed carries. Johnson had NFL contributors like Clive Walford and Philip Dorsett in the same offense. But Johnson was the star of that Miami offense, and he is their all-time leading rusher and their all-time leader in uh, in all-purpose at at Miami University, the U, you know, all-time leader in all-purpose yards. That's pretty pretty amazing considering – you know, he's maybe not the most NFL caliber back that one people want to keep banging on that. But, uh, you know, he was the pace setter. He can catch. He can run. He's also suited to catch balls downfield. 
for a little inspiration, I went back last year and watched the game against Florida State from 2014. And you'll see Johnson work his tail off for every yard gained against a defense chock full of NFL talent. Uh, PPR alert, Johnson is tied for the rookie RB lead in targets with David Johnson. Uh, he is first in reception in receptions with four rookie RBs, um, and he was 15. In fact, only three rookie wide receivers have more targets than Duke Johnson. Do you do you have any idea who those three rookie wide receivers are, Nick? We've already uh, talked about not. two of them: Amari uh, Cooper. Rashard Green, who's hurt, so he's going to be he's going to be passed up very very quickly. He has one more target than Duke Johnson throughout the season, and uh, Jamison Crowder, Washington Redskins. Uh, so I just think Johnson, uh, you know, where he's, you know, maybe not going to be the between the tackles guy that everybody that everybody wants in the NFL. I think he's just going to have a better future because he's not going to take that abuse. So I got my scouting report out for Duke Johnson uh, from last offseason. Uh, I'll through the cons first. Uh, could run with more power and more charges legs, but not and might not be a between-the-tackles guy, so goal line work he could maybe struggle at, uh, which Nick also said. Uh, Lewis a runner, but has a very strong second effort. He's also a good blocker and a very good pass catcher all over the field. He makes, he makes a play in that Florida State film like 30 yards downfield, and I don't know how on earth he gets downfield so fast. He's I mean, he's a 4-5 guy. Williams has been clocked, you know, 4-4. But somehow he's 30 yards downfield, and he's making this diving catch. I mean, he's just such a dynamic weapon. And I know Cleveland's got a long road ahead of him, but love, love me some Duke Johnson. Sorry to ramble on there. It's your chance to rebut. Well, just a couple things. Uh, you brought up the concussion that Carlos Williams sustained this week. And I think, you know, obviously he's going to miss a game or two. But as long as he doesn't miss more than that, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, running backs get hurt, like you said. It, it happens. And they've each had a concussion now this year. So I think that kind of long-term, anyway, evens itself out the fact that you've each have had one this year. And uh, you, you said that Duke Johnson uh, is a much better pass catcher, but – Carlos Williams is a pretty good pass catcher in his own right. Three catches for 30 yards last week, including a 23-yard touchdown catch on a nice wheel route that he ran in the fourth quarter. So, you know, don't sleep on Carlos Williams as a receiving option, too. Okay. Um, Ooh, let's get to the best number 27 in NFL history. This is kind of a a thing that we've been doing uh, sporadically since uh, the season started. Am I talking too fast today? I feel like I'm talking to you. No, I don't think so. All right. You can understand me. You can hear me. All right. I was going to say, maybe no energy drink next time, but uh, if you can understand me, I guess that's okay. Um, this is a series that we have been doing sporadically through the off season as we kind of try to figure out who is the best to wear this number. I'm just going started at double zero, and we're going all the way to uh, 99. So we're at number 27. Nick, what do you got for it? 
Well, we'll start with the wide receiver for the San Diego Chargers in the 60s and 70s. Gary Garrison went to four Pro Bowls, had two seasons of both double-digit touchdowns and over 1,000 yards when that wasn't a common thing to happen. Garrison was a big play guy. He averaged 18.6 yards per catch over his 12-year career. Uh, Next up, Rodney Hampton rushed for over 1,000 yards in five straight years for the New York Giants from 91 to 95. And at first I was surprised he only made it to two Pro Bowls. I remember him being a pretty good player, but, you know, with Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith locking down two Pro Bowl slots every year, it was pretty tough for any other NFC running backs to get in. Uh, Larry Johnson is definitely not an all-time great, but for two years in 05 and 06, he sure did shine. Over 1,700 yards in both years and 40 total touchdowns over that span. And you look at his other eight years combined, he only scored 24 touchdowns. So that's how good he was in those two years. Uh, Eddie George went to four Pro Bowls and uh, rushed for between 900 yards and uh, 1,500 yards in each of his first eight seasons. And his ninth and final season was in Dallas, so it's okay if he didn't reach those standards that year. Uh, Eddie George was definitely a face-of-the-franchise type of guy for uh, for the Titans. Averaged 112 yards per game during the playoff run where uh, Tennessee went to their only Super Bowl appearance. Uh, Ray Rice also wore number 27. The Hall of Famer, Sam uh, Houston, the safety for uh, Washington and Houston, went to 12 straight Pro Bowls between 1968 and 1979. And his nine interceptions for touchdowns still is fourth all-time. Now, in all honesty, Sam Houston would probably be probably be most people's choice for the best number 27. But even though I'm a Skins fan, I'm going to snub my boy Houston for a guy who isn't in the Hall of Fame but deserves to be just as much as Houston. And that's the eight-time Pro Bowl of safety for the Denver Broncos, Steve Atwater. He went seven of those eight Pro Bowls consecutively from 1990 to 1996 and then won two Super Bowls in 97 and 98. Atwater was not only rangy as a six foot three, two hundred eighteen pound free safety, but also one of the most feared hitters in the league. You know, it sure would be interesting to watch a season of film on a guy like him or Ronnie Lott and count either how many hits today would be flagged or fined, or just count the concussions that he healed out. Anyway, uh, since the Hall of Fame voters continue to do him wrong, Steve Atwater, I'm going to name you my best number twenty-seven of all time. What do you think, Josh? Remember how we did number 19 and I just got overly excited to talk about how much I love Johnny Unitas? I feel the exact same way about Steve Atwater. I mean, I'm a diehard Oakland Raiders fan, have been since I started watching football. But, man, that guy was so fun to watch. And he he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. What what do you think? Should uh, you think Eddie George is the Hall of Famer too, Nick? What do you think? I think eventually, but uh, not anytime soon. Okay. Um, I want to talk about one more. Robert Cal Hubbard played from 1927 to 1936. New York football giants, Green Bay Packers, and, of course, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, Often referred to as the most feared lineman of his time. Uh, Rookie star with the Giants. Um, Great defensive defensive team of 1927. Uh, Played end and switched to tackle with the with the Packers. Uh, yeah, six two, two hundred and fifty three pound lineman in the NFL. Uh, I love these old guys. Uh, excellent blocker and also played backup line on defense. A two way player, uh, extremely fast and strong. Uh, all NFL six straight years from twenty eight to nineteen thirty three. Uh, named to the NFL all time off named NFL came to NFL's all-time offensive tackle in 1969. Uh, that is Carl K. 
Cal, excuse me, Robert Cal Hubbard. Uh, but yeah, Steve Atwater. If if you're young and don't don't know who that is, you need to find any kind of film on him that you possibly can because him between him and Dennis Smith, it was just like good luck because that, that those guys were. Crazy and and pretty Atwater Atwater was on those Super Bowl teams for Denver, right? So you could probably see some Atwater action there if you dig up the Super Bowl films. Uh, But yeah, I'll go with you there, Nick. Best number twenty-seven at all time, Steve Atwater. So deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Maybe because he was such a fierce hitter, they don't want to put him in the Hall of Fame because because of how the rules are now. But yeah, I love that. Uh, Dynasty Jet Charger time. Uh, Stefan Diggs. Played in one game so far this year, and uh, coincidentally had the most receiving yards of any Vikings receiver so far this year in one game. Uh, had I think he had six receptions on ten targets. Um, looked very comfortable, and this is against Denver. This is against Chris Harris and Hakeem Talib. I mean, this is this isn't against you know Jacksonville. Um, He's got so eight, eight, only AP, Rudolph, and Wallace have more receiving yards in the season so far than D- Diggs, who again has played in just one game. Uh, he also had three receptions for over 20 yards in that game. So six, yeah, six total receptions for 87 yards. Uh, obviously, he got uh, he got the nod with Charles Johnson out, and uh, Jarius Wright, who's a little banged up, did play but did not receive a target because. Uh, this rookie Diggs is just just bursting through. I mean, he, this is a team that has a lot of receivers on their roster. Cordell Patterson, obviously, being another one, and uh, you know Diggs came through in a big way. I know Minnesota lost that game, but uh, Teddy Bridgewater had his best passing game of the season, and uh, uh, Stephon Diggs was the leading receiver. Wallace had just a few less yards, uh, and he scored a touchdown. Wallace did so. Diggs did not, but. Uh, they have maybe uh, found something and certainly a nice way to use this. So again, this is the only game that he has been suited up for, and he had the most receiving yards there. So what do you, what do you think about Stefan Diggs there? I, yeah, I think, uh, I think he could be the wide receiver, too, on this team before too long. Charles Johnson's had a pretty quiet year. Cordell Patterson, I'm kind of surprised it's still a thing. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, he's got a great opportunity. Like you mentioned, six catches for 87 yards in his only action. He's a fifth-round pick. I think he would have gone higher if he hadn't had a little bit of an injury history there at Maryland. But, yeah, definitely could have a break. Yeah. And I one, well, I knew it was my turn for this. I kind of thought about having, like, the ant, doing, like, having fun with it and doing the anti-death charger and banging on Cody Latimer, who has – zero targets on the year, even though he's been suited up for all four games. Getting outplayed by some guy named Benny Fowler. Uh, but uh, then, then things went out and had that awesome game. It's like, okay, I'll talk about it. But, uh, yeah, pretty pretty crazy stuff there. Um, and he, he, you are right. He could be eventually be the man there. So uh, we are right on time for Mr. ATS, Ch- Chuck himself, the – the odd man, as I like to call him. Uh, before I forget, next week we have the right doctor, Mr. Sean Kirby, the IDP doctor, returning to drop many, many more nuggets of truth on us. And uh, me and Nick are just going to grill him with questions for like 15, 20 minutes. So if you have any IDP questions, send them to me or 
hit us up on Twitter. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We're getting like he's like the man in charge of the IDP content here. So just just remember that and listen next week. So you want to check that out. But let's let's patch Mr. Padeski through here. Hello, Josh. Hello, Nick. Hello. Music. Happy Wednesday again. to you. Gonna, yeah, happy hump day. I was going to ask you to talk about the music again, maybe read the weather, but it's not working again. I don't know what's up with that. But anyway, <laughs> welcome. That's okay. Why don't we just not do the music anymore? <laughs> no, I love the music. Okay. Boy, last week I was laugh- uh, what what's that? Last Go week ahead. was a killer. But you were 3 and 2 in your in your hot 5, right? Or whatever you yeah, I was. On, on our picks that we make on, uh, just so everybody knows, we record this show on Wednesdays. On the picks that I made on the show, I was 4-11, and 11, guys. Uh, our sweeps our sweeps were 0-3 last week, the ones that we all picked the same <laughs> on. And uh, But, you know, the, the uh, inside the lines, my uh, my fabulous five picks that I have every week, I went three and two on that, and I was, I had to get the Lions on Monday night just to have a winning record, and I was uh, happy. Of course, I never had a doubt. Did you? The Lions are going to cover that spread? Uh, yeah, because, you know, the Seattle offense, not, not, not good this year. Not good at all. Uh, no, it isn't, and it's another one of those things where you, you know, of course Seattle is the is the superior team to Detroit, and they'll probably win the game. But when you're asking a Seattle who doesn't have much of an offense to cover a ten point spread, especially against a team that has weapons like the Lions do, uh, that that's a tough thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. And upon further review, or not, they probably should have lost that game. <laughs> um, so, Have you talked about uh, yeah, that I game would... yet? That that call? No, we haven't. I, I, I've seen the replay too many times. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously a hell of a play by Cam Chancellor. But uh, if you can't tell that KJ Wright was not batting that ball, you should not be an NFL referee. But uh, moving on. Yeah. At at the moment that happened, I thought, well, that's strange. I thought there was a rule against batting the ball, and I'm thinking, well, maybe if you're batting it out of your own end zone or out of the end zone, <clears throat> maybe that's okay. And then they started bringing it up after the game. I mean, the bottom line is he shouldn't have fumbled, you know, and, and Detroit, you know, certainly had reason to uh, had reason to lose that game. But, um, it, you know, rule's a rule. And if he batted it out, he batted it out. And, uh, and and I don't know what they would have done because he lost the ball at about halfway, half a yard from the goal line. Now, if that's supposed to be a penalty for batting the ball, would they have then taken it half the distance then to the goal line and make it like a, a quarter of a yard? Would they, would they have marched off that distance? Yeah, I think I heard that they would have got Detroit should have had the ball at the spot of the fumble because it was bad enough. I think that is that would have should have been okay. whatever whatever should have could have been the the uh, the ruling on that play. The crazy thing is, you know, all KJ Wright has to do is catch that ball and kneel down. I mean, yeah. or if he just you know would have kept his body in front of it, it probably would have just went out on its own. It just didn't it didn't make any sense to me at all. But. Uh, uh, Nick, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's crazy that the NFL refs don't know the rule in that situation. That's such a big play that pretty much decided the game. Yeah, Got to do a better job. 
And the good news was, you guys, that uh, if you were uh, playing it by the point spread, it didn't affect you. But I bet there were a lot of people whose uh, whose fantasy teams it was affected by because uh, <laughs> I, the, the fumble mainly. You know, I mean, Calvin Johnson, what if you needed, you know, six points from Calvin Johnson? And and he fumbled that there. Now that has nothing to do with the referees, you know. It's it just was a bad beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that maybe that referee was playing against Calvin Johnson, uh, or no, no. The running back was. Do not suggest stuff like that. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> we don't. Yeah, we we don't want another another scandal, especially after the whole uh, daily scandal of this week. So. Uh, Oh, well, you know what? You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd like to do a whole whole show on that, on whether on whether DFS is gambling or not, um, or what the uh, the the ethical moral issues that are brought up on that. But uh, this is you're going to get me on a rant, so let's save that for another day, okay? <laughs> okay. Well, do you have a line for Indy at Houston, Chuck? Yeah, very interesting. When I looked at them last night, uh, there was no line across the board. Nobody had a line on on the Colts and Texans. So I looked up as about an as of about an hour ago, the Colts were one point favorites. So that's the line we're going to have to use, guys. Uh, Indianapolis favored by one over the Texans on Thursday. Uh, I was hoping the line would maybe make me definitely fall down on on one side of this and I and I wrote down Indianapolis right when you said the line so I I, I guess maybe because I thought they're going to be dogs but it's just one point so you're looking at to pick them yeah I'm going to uh, hang on just a second Josh I'm going to check it one more yeah. time just just to get the updated odds but uh, that was the line that I saw this morning and now it's a pick them. Looks like a lot of people have gone with Houston. So let's, uh, as of right now, as of this airing, it's a pick 'em. So we'll go. We'll just. It basically was at one point anyway, but we'll make it a pick 'em game. Pick the winner. Okay. I'll still go Indy, and I guess they'll they'll have three tight ends to stay in there every every play to keep JJ Watt out of Andrew Luck's face. I think JJ Watt's got eight sacks in six games versus. Andrew Luck so far in his career, so they got they got to do something, and that that's got to be Indy's main focus to to stop him. So I think I think they do that, protect the quarterback, and they somehow squeak this one out. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, the Colts they're not a very good team, but one thing they do do well is uh, they can beat their division uh, opponents. So I'm going to have to go with the Colts, especially in a pickup game. I don't care if it's Matt Hasselback or Andrew Luck or out of control beard Andrew Luck. I think the Colts can win this one. Okay, Chuck, what do you think? Um, I think the, the the public is swayed by a couple of things. First of all, seeing the Texans get murdered last week against the Falcons, and uh, where in the heck was their defense last week? That's what I want to know. But the public is also still hanging on to the fact that the Colts are a good team. Uh, I don't think the public has picked up on the fact that the Colts aren't very good this year. They still have the... Uh, the rifts going through the front office between the front office and the head coach and the Texans are prime for uh, for a big upset. I'm going to I'm going to take the Texans in this one and I uh, I hate to say it might be pretty easy. Hmm. It was a phenomenal game last year when they played on Thursday night. So I just hope it's it's as entertaining yeah. as that was. 
And and you know what? May I, I, I had to temper that kind of easy thing. Uh, but I think the Texans have enough to win this. I, I think they have the home crowd, and I think they have a lot to prove. And I don't think the Colts are as good as everybody thinks they are, even with Andrew Luck back. Um, so I'll take the Texans to win. And the Colts continue to draft wide receivers when they need offensive line and somebody on defense. I mean, they just draft a defensive playmaker for one thing. Your your tenure there, Colts brass. Uh, yeah, you're exactly uh, right, Josh. And and and, yeah. and as strong as Andrew Luck is, he can't hold up forever. So you get somebody to protect him. Yeah, bad pun. You can't shoulder the load that longer. Um. That much longer. Uh, Washington, we'll let Nick go first here. Washington at Atlanta. What do you got for us, Chuck, on the line? Oh, I thought, I'm sorry. I was waiting for Nick to say something. Oh, yeah, we got to yeah. give the line here. Uh, the uh, Redskins and Falcons. Falcons started out at 8.5. There's been a lot of Redskins money come in. It's now 7.5. Falcons favored by 7.5. If it was in Washington, I think the Redskins might be able to keep this one to within a touchdown. But in the Georgia Dome, i got to take the Falcons to win this one by at least 10 points, if not more like two touchdowns. Uh, my favorite man in all of Radio Land, uh, well, besides the velvety voice of Chuck Podiski, of course, uh, is, is Eric Casillas. And he says when you get more than a touchdown in the NFL, it hits about two-thirds of the – the time, so I'm going to take Washington because I think that's what Chuck's going to do, and Eric and Ek would say the same thing. So, what do you, what do you think, Chuck? Yeah, I am. You know, what it seemed like the Falcons uh, just bum rushes somebody, especially a good defense, in one week, then the public is all over them the next week. Um, I am going to take the Redskins. I think they are. You know, it's another one. Public perception thinks the Redskins are bad, but you know what? They they, they aren't a bad team this year. And I think they have a good front seven. I think they can cause some problems for the Falcons. They saw how much the Falcons, you know, ran the ball last week. And uh, I think they'll stop that. And I think they'll have enough to stay within. You know, I loved them. You know, I thought I was going to get eight and a half, but I'm only getting seven and a half. But I'll still take it. I like that. I like that half a point over 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 the touchdown. And you know, if you if you disagree with what Chuck just said about people jumping all over Atlanta because of the big game last week. Look what happened last week to Buffalo after they went down to to Miami, who I know is in shambles, but they beat the pants off of those guys, and all of a sudden they were five point favorites at home against against the Giants team, who's been in, in most of their games. So and, mm-hmm. and the Giants whooped their butts. So that's I mean, and that was in Buffalo, which surprised the hell out of a lot of people. So uh, good good point there, Chuck. What do you think about Seattle at Cincinnati? The Bengals are favored by three here. I really wanted two and a half, but uh, <laughs> I'll take since I'll take Cincy by three. Um, like I said, I wanted two and a half, but I was fearing it was going to be uh, more than that. And then everybody's Seattle's good. Seattle fans will buy this down to two and a half eventually, won't they? <laughs> uh, I think so. I'll take, yeah. I'll take yeah, I'll take Cincy minus a three just because it's Seattle on the road, like I said earlier. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. Like you said, Seattle on the road is not as good as they are at home. It's this insane home field advantage they have in Seattle. So 
I don't love it because there's something about the Bengals that I don't trust, but they are playing really good football so far. Andy Dalton's been playing out of his mind. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Cincinnati. Yeah, the uh, the Seahawks have not uh, – the Bengals are, are pretty darn good on defense, and they're pretty darn good on offense, too. This will uh, – if I'm not mistaken, this will be the best offensive team the, Se- the Seahawks have faced this year. It'll truly give their defense a test, and I'm going – you know, they're – Playing the early game again, going from the uh, the West Coast to the East Coast, playing the early game. The Bengals are on a roll. Kind of a believer in the Bengals, you know. I I I, I don't see. I guess I don't see what we were just talking about. I don't see a Falcons effect on here. You know, the Falcons had such a big game last week. The the the, the Bengals did not have uh, have that. Who who they play last week? Do you remember Josh Bengals? Uh, yeah, the Chiefs. Can't. Yeah, um, yeah. Not that resounding win that everybody would say, "Hey, the Bengals are great," but the, but they're on a roll right now. And you know, it, it's kind of funny though. This is just when Andy Dalton lets you down, you know, right when you think they're on a roll. But uh, I think the Bengals can win this game. I, I picked them last night. I'm going to stick with them. And uh, you're right. There may be a lot of money on the Seahawks here, Josh, and it may go down to two and a half, uh, less than a field goal before the start of the game. Okay. Where were we? Sorry. I got to hear the line on this one. Obviously, you're going to tell me anyway, but St. Louis at Green Bay. Packers by nine, Josh. And I guess I think technically it has to be um, double digits to this to uh, to be considered that awful, awful gambling term boat race. And it's obviously the Packers at home. What is it, Andrew, or excuse me, Andrew Luck. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, last 16 home games, 43 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, hasn't thrown a pick in like three years at home or something like that. Never underestimate Jeff Fisher. What is it, nine? Yeah, it started at nine and a half. It's, uh, it's now down to nine, so some Rams money came in. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with St. Louis. I don't I don't love it, but uh, you know there was a game late last year where where everybody thought Green Bay was gonna boat race Atlanta, and Atlanta made a game of it late up there in Green Bay with the cold. And I feel like this is gonna be that type of same game. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I think Green Bay wins this game, but St. Louis keeps it closer than that. But the Rams, they're, they're a pretty decent team. They've got a good defense. Uh, they held the Cardinals to only 22 points last week in the win. Uh, and now that Todd Gurley's running the ball really well, I, I have to go with the Rams to keep it close. Yeah, I tend to agree with you guys. I think this will be our first sweep of, of the week. I uh it was a bad spot last week for the Packers, and, and they still beat the spread. Um they had to go out to the West Coast on a short week, and uh, not a, not a whole lot of people have much interest in playing the San Francisco Forty ers You you don't you don't you don't get their best effort, but nonetheless, I am I, more and more impressed with the Rams. They just they just are that team that is hard nosed, doesn't give up, and I think they'll they'll stay in the game with the Packers. Although you know, as is the Packers' habit, they'll they'll find a way to pull it out somehow. But uh, I'll look for the Rams to give them a give them a good contest. Okay. Uh, what do we think about 
Sorry, I keep losing my spot here. Buffalo. Is that a sweep on the Rams? Sorry. Yes, it is. All right. We're crazy. Green Bay's going to kill them, right? 20 points. I can see it right now. Uh, Buffalo at Tennessee. What do you got for us, Chuck? The Bills are favored by two and a half. It started out at three. It's now down to two and a half. Buffalo. Okay. Chuck, why don't you go first? Well, a lot of people are going to want to take Marcus Mariota, and uh, it looks like a lot of people have already as the line has gone down, you know, from three down to two and a half, and that's an important move right there, by the way. I just like – I'm going to bet on the coach here. I like Rex Ryan. I'm going to bet on the rebound. The Bills had a bad game last week. Rex will prepare him this week. <clears throat> Excuse me to do something to Marcus Mariota. Um, I'm going to take the Bills minus two and a half. Okay, Nick, what do you think? I think if the Bills were healthy at the running back position, I would take them without a question. But uh, the fact that uh, Lashawn McCoy is going to miss another week, Carlos Williams likely won't be back from his concussion that he sustained last week. I have to go with Tennessee, especially at home. What was the number there again, Chuck? Two and a half Bills. Bills are favored by two and a half. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Nick here with the home team dog. Don't love it by any means, but I'll, I'll, go, with, I'll go with Tennessee here. Yeah, let me add on that one, uh, Josh, that that is uh, – this is I, I'm not. This is one of those games I'm not really sure of. I'm just looking for an edge, and 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 in that for that reason, I'm going to take the uh, the defensive-minded coach and and uh, hope that he devises something, you know, some way to win. Okay. Um, Kansas City hosting uh, your Chicago Bears. I guess you go again first, Chuck. Chiefs are nine and a half over the Bears. What? Let me make sure that let me no make sure lo- that hasn't let me make sure that hasn't gone up to ten here, Josh. Hang on. <laughs> no love for the no love for the Bears because they beat because they beat the Raiders. Wow. Oh, it's. I think I would take Chicago if it was seven and a half. And I know they have no defense. What are you, you finding it there? What's that? Did you is it did what did you did it go up at all? Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, it's it's still a nine and a half. <laughs> Didn't know you were waiting for me. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, nine and a half points. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Nick, uh, sorry, I, were you, you were going to go first, Chuck. Go ahead. What do you got? Oh, um, I liken this game to remember how we talked about. Uh, Seattle, a team that you know doesn't have that much of an offense and being favored by that many points. Uh, the, the Chiefs are another team that everybody thinks their defense is good, but it, it really isn't. I think the Bears have a little bit of mojo going. Remember how I told you last week that I think Fox kind of went through and says everybody who doesn't want to be here get out and got rid of a couple of guys. And the, the Bears have a new attitude, and I'm, I'm I think they'll I think if they don't win the game, they'll keep it close here against the Chiefs. Okay. Nick, what do you think? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bears, too. Nine and a half points, that's just too much for an Alex Smith-led team to be favored by, even if they are at home, and even if the Bears have kind of struggled this year. Like Chuck said, the Bears seem to have turned it around a little bit, getting the win over the Raiders last week. So I'll take the Bears to at least cover the spread here. Okay. Uh, Philadelphia hosting the Saints. Chuck, what do you got for us? Uh to me, this is an ugly game, but the Eagles are favored by four and a half points. Okay. Oh. I'm hurting my brain even thinking about it. Ah, uh, geez, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I guess I'll go Philly just because that Saints defense is bad at they're bad, and Saints are historically bad on the road. So, give me give me the Rams minus or the Rams, the Eagles minus four and a half. I prefer the Rams, but give me the Eagles minus four and a half. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'll take Philly too. I think Philly bounces back after the loss to the Washington last week. Whereas I think the Saints come back down to earth a little bit after their win over the Cowboys. So, yeah, I'll go with the Eagles. Not the kind of game that I love, but I'll take Philly. Okay. I feel the same as you guys. This will be our third sweep today, the Eagles, the Rams, and Bears. We've swept the board on all three of those picks, uh, and I have I have no real reason except for what you said, Josh. The the, the Saints are, are good at home and, and not good on the road, although I remember the Saints a few years going up and winning a playoff game in Philadelphia, but that was a playoff game. Um, still got to put my belief. I guess I'm taking the Eagles because I don't really feel good picking the Saints. How's that? Uh, that's kind of how I feel. Uh, Jacksonville at Tampa. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are three-point favorites over the Jaguars. Really thought you were going to say two and a half again. So I'm going to take Jacksonville because I wanted, I wanted two and a half. You're giving me a field goal. I think Jacksonville's got the goods to win this game. Um, plus they're plus three. I got Jacksonville. Chuck, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, what do I think? I think it's time for the Buccaneers to win another game. You know, they come up against somebody <laughs> they can beat that they know they can beat. They've uh, brought back in Connor Barth. That's got to count for something, right? Uh, you got a battle of young quarterbacks. I don't think, uh, uh, I don't. I, I, this is one of those spots where they kind of have circled, you know, no matter how bad we are, we know we can win this game, so let's go out and give it an effort. So, you know, in a, in, in a as Pete Axtelm used to say, a Bay of Pigs game, um, I'm going to take the Buccaneers minus three. Okay. And, Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think the Jaguars win this game outright. I think Blake Bortles, at this stage in their career, Bortles is a better quarterback than Winston, so I'm going to have to go with the Jaguars. Okay. Um, Sorry, I keep losing my spot. Cleveland at Baltimore. Not a lot of love for Cleveland in this one. What do you got for us, Chuck? Ravens are favored by six and a half. I absolutely hate it, but I'm going to take Cleveland in this game. I just think it's too much for a division game. I think they can. I think Cleveland loses this game by six points. 
So I love the hook there. Nick, what do you think? I'm going to have to go with the Browns as well. I mean, they're not as bad a team as they appear to be on paper sometimes. Uh, they they only lost by three points to the Chargers last week, and I think the Chargers are a better team than the Ravens this year. So I'm going to go with the Browns to at least keep this one close. Yeah, what's the deal here? The uh, the Ravens are one in three. Uh, how does that qualify them to to be favored by six and a half points over a division rival? Uh, you know, Cleveland. What? Everybody. Cleveland's not that bad, and Baltimore's not that good. Also, there's still bad blood in Cleveland because Baltimore took their team away. I think the Browns will always give the Ravens uh, a, a great game. So I'm going to take the Browns plus the points. No other way to go here. Okay. Josh, um, I will ask you I, I will ask you one thing here. Is is Joe Hayden sure. I haven't checked this. Is Joe Hayden back in the lineup for the Browns this week? Um, I think he is because he was they had no reason to keep him out last week. They're catching some heat for that or something, so Oh really? Well and Steve Smith's questionable too, so I guess that you know, if neither one of those guys play, I think it kinda cancels each other out. So um yeah, there's some weird controversy about he was a healthy scratch for some reason in that game. So, uh, we'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's I don't think that affects the line for me at least at all. So, uh, Detroit at Arizona. Oh, hang on, we Nick, swept that we, game, did we not? Yes, Cleveland. No, you. We did all took you take the, the Ravens. I took the Browns. Okay, sorry. Yep, another sweep. Well, we all took the Browns. Um, okay. To Detroit hosting Arizona. We have the Home Arizona Cardinals goal. as uh, Arizona's two-and-a-half-point favorites. Nick, what do you think? Uh, i got to go with the Cardinals. I know that they got beat by the Rams last week, but I think they bounced back in a big way this week, even though they're on the road in Detroit, which can sometimes be a tough place to play. But the Lions just haven't looked very good at all this year. So I think the Cardinals can beat them by over a field goal. Uh, I'm going to agree with Nick, even though I want to take Detroit. I just can't find – I can't find a good argument – to, to say Detroit wins this game. And I think Arizona, especially defensively, is going to be motivated after getting someone embarrassed last week. Um, so, yeah, I just I want to pick Detroit. I really want to, but I just I just can't. Chuck, what do you think? <laughs> um, well, I'm going to pick Detroit. Uh, and <laughs> only for this one reason. The Cardinals, whenever you expect them to, to do well, like whenever they're favored, they seem to let us down. Now they were favored over San Francisco, but, you know, so is everybody else. Uh, now they go on the road as a favorite against the Lions team that really isn't the, – correct me if I'm wrong, the Lions are 0-4 right now, right? Um, yeah. How much more motivation do they need? They're at home against the Cardinals. Uh, they they should have won last week or at least uh, at least tied it up. But, you know, they should have won last week. Against the Seahawks, that's that's got to count for something. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Lions here and just kind of, uh, you know, swallow really hard. Yeah, the Lions have been in every one of their games, and even even though they're 0 and 4, and there's, there's I think there's what 11 teams right now in the NFL that are 2 and 2, 
there's a lot of those teams that I would certainly pick Detroit to to win over, but Arizona's not one of them because they're three and one. So yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but let's get to another home team dog in the Dallas Cowboys. New England Patriots started off at seven and a half. Josh, they are now up to eight and a half points. <laughs> oh well, that's that is that's a crazy home team dog for an NFL game, right? I mean, that's that's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I I'm going to take New England. Eight and a half. Yeah, I still got to take New England. I just. I I can't think of a reason like like in that last game I can't think of a reason to take Dallas so I'm going to take New England minus the eight and a half. Nick, what do you think? Uh, well, New England was on a bye last week, so Bill Belichick had an extra week to prepare for a Dallas team that's without their starting quarterback, without their starting running back, and without their top wide receiver. So I think New England wins this one in a blowout, but taking the Patriots all the way. Last week, you guys, in the uh, in my Inside the Lines column, I went back and looked at I, – I wondered how Bill Belichick got his team ready to play that last game before the bye. So I looked up to see what New England did on their, on their last game before their bye week, and their average margin of victory was like 24, 25 points, somewhere around there. <laughs> uh, that's why I took the Patriots. Now, I, I went back again, and it wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago because they had a bye last week. Uh, this week I went, to look, I went and looked to see how the, how the Patriots did on the first game after their bye. And uh, in 2014 last year, they, they beat Indianapolis by 20, 22 points. Okay, But in 2013, the week after their bye, they lost to Carolina. 2012, they beat the Buffalo Bills by six points, and that was a home game. 2011, they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers the week after their bye. In 2010, they won by three points. 2009, they uh, beat the Dolphins by ten points. But uh, the the uh, message here is that the Patriots are not as good the week after their bye as they are the week before their bye. So I'm going to take the Cowboys to keep it to, to at least give them a battle. I'm going to look for this to be a really, really hard-fought game, uh, maybe a field goal either way, and I'm going to take the Cowboys. Okay. Somebody had to. <laughs> oh, and and I'm and I'm happy when you're right, Chuck. I really, am. I'm happy when you're. How right. about them Cowboys? Yes. Oh, my turn to choose first. Another home team dog, Denver at Oakland. Yeah, the Broncos uh, started off as five and a half. They're now down to four and a half. Broncos by four and a half points. Oh, I would have preferred. Before we get going in this game, do you think, do you think there's any chance that Dallas doing the game gets bought down a little bit? Because people people love them Cowboys. <laughs> Well, not so far. It's gone up a point already since the line came out. Let me. Uh, do you want me to get a get a, you? Uh, I can quick give you a little history on that game. It started out seven and a half, went to eight, eight and a half. It, as a matter of fact, it went up to nine uh, yesterday wow. for a while, and it's now back down to eight and a half. So it probably already okay. has been bed down. Okay. Oh. All right. So four. 
four and a half for Oakland. I just I want I want to do it, but I got I got to take Denver. So, and I'll be I'll be happy when I'm wrong, but I'll, I'll take Denver minus the four and a half. Nick, what do you think? Well, I think Denver wins this game, but I think they do it in the same fashion they have all year with a end of the end of the game type of field goal. Uh, they did it again last week with a field goal to win by three points over the Vikings within the last two minutes. So I, I'm going to take Oakland to uh, only lose this by a field goal. So Oakland covers the spread. Yeah, I agree with Nick here. Um, we have to get in our mind that Denver is not a good team because of their offense. We talked about this last week when uh, when I when I said the the, the Broncos are are a uh, you know, and then I went I went ahead and picked the Broncos over, over the Vikings last week by six and a half points. But uh, I learned my lesson. The Broncos are are not a good team because of their offense. They're a good team because of their defense. So uh, it, it it will. It, Probably not be that low scoring a game. You're not going to see those Broncos 41 to 10 routes anymore. And you're on the Raiders' home field, and they love beating the Broncos up there in Oakland. Well, they love beating the Broncos anywhere, but uh, up in Oakland, they can actually do something about it. So, you know, I'm I'm just stopping just short of uh, calling for an outright win for the Raiders. But I think uh, I think it'll be a, another a field goal either way again. Um, my my favorite tweet of the week, and yes, I know I'm pounding myself, is I I feel like Denver has basically Denver and Mr. Peyton Manny have Trent Dilford their way to a to a four and zero season, basically referring to to the Ravens Super Bowl team of the early 2000s. I just they just keep getting so gosh darn lucky. But bear in mind, at the start of the year, Oakland had no secondary, no cornerbacks. At all, I mean T.J. Carey, who was considered their best cornerback, is now being moved to safety because they're so banged up. So, if if Peyton Manning is going to actually have a good fantasy week, it's going to be versus Oakland this year. Um, so yeah, I just I just can't I can't get behind it. They're they're my team, and I and I know too much about them. So that's 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 why I'm sticking with my 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 Broncos pick there. Mm, okay. But, well, you know, you have a reason. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just hope it's not ugly. <laughs> uh, San Francisco going to the New York Giants. Uh, Sunday, the Sunday night game, so it's not, not East Coast, West Coast thing, but it's a Sunday night game. What do you got for us? We have the Giants favored by seven points. Uh, well, I'm glad there's not a hook on there. So I'm going to take the Giants. Um, and I know, and I know Eli likes to let me down and look really sad on the sidelines, but it's not going to happen in New York. I think that would happen in San Francisco, and they obviously wouldn't be favored by that much. But I'll, I'll take the Giants. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I just can't bring myself to pick San Francisco. Uh, they just seem to be a mess right now, well, especially offensively. They just cannot move the ball. Colin Kaepernick, he needs to be benched. And eventually you got to figure they're going to turn to Blaine Gabbard at some point this year. But So, yeah, I'll take the Giants. Yeah, I feel kind of shaky about it for some reason. I mean, and, and I'm hoping I, – I, I'm going to pick the Giants, and I'm hoping it's not just because I think the 49ers are the worst team in the world. They, they, they kind of shut me up the first – 
that first Monday night game when they beat the Vikings, and maybe that was all adrenaline and the excitement of uh, playing their first game uh, of the season on home uh, at home on Monday night. Um, I just think that the the 49ers are just that that one franchise that's just a mess in the NFL. I mean, you know, save for the the Miami Dolphins, but um, it, but but then there's always well, you have to you have to give seven points, but I think the Giants will find it easy going. So let's uh, let's sweep this one. I'll take the Giants. Okay, I like. Um, you know, and if people want to want to bang the doors about Carlos Hyde. Bear in mind that the Giants are actually the best defensive team right now against the run, and that's that number isn't like jaded like the Falcons being in the top five because they they haven't you know again like Washington too they haven't been killing everybody and making all their opponents throw in the second half. They've they've been close games and uh, you know they they had the lead and nice handled handle lead lead handily last week versus Buffalo, but they haven't been uh, they haven't been making teams throw on them or run on them in the second half. So. Well, here's another um, thing. Here's another thing. Can I throw in one more thing here, Josh? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm I'm still in the I, I'm still in this eliminator pool. Um, last week I took the Good Broncos and just just barely survived that. But um, of all the games with the big spreads this week, you know, a lot of times you want to take a home team at a big spread. We get the Falcons minus eight and a half, the Chiefs minus nine and a half, Packers minus nine and a half. Uh, the one I think I'm going to use this week is the Giants at minus seven. Just not so much a a, a pick on the Giants, but a pick against the 49ers. Huh. And that your survivor pool isn't against the spread, right? Right. It's just uh, outright winners. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did uh, due diligence as I do every year and bowed out the second week of, as as I always do in the survival pool. I, I usually don't. I usually I usually make it one week and then I get beat out. And I, I have lost week one, but I've I've actually never gotten past week two in there. So. Yeah, that's that what I normally do too. I'm just I'm just totally surprised to be where I am this year, you know, and, and that puts more pressure on each week. I'm chewing my fingernails mm. off. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that survival is not my jam. So um, yeah, Pittsburgh Monday night at San Diego Monday night. Yes, what do you got for us? Oh, Nick, Nick, did you pick that game? Yeah, I went with the Giants. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, Chargers are Chargers are favored by three points, and it looks like it's uh, pretty much stayed there the whole the whole time. Although I'll check it real quick for you, Nick. Uh, yeah, it's still three in favor of the Chargers. Nick, what do you think? You know, if Ben Roethlisberger was playing, this would be a completely different game. But uh, with Michael Vick uh, suiting up and playing in San Diego, I, I have to go with the Chargers. I know the Chargers are one of those teams that seem to let you down right as soon as you believe in them, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with them this week. Well, the Chargers really haven't given us much to believe in this year besides their their uh, nice comeback against the Lions. Um Week one, they you know they they keep allowing teams to make it look good at the last the last little bit, and I as as always do I, I hate picking the San Diego team because you just never know. Uh, so I'm gonna take Pittsburgh because I'm getting some points, and uh, I think given the the extra rest 
that they got since they played on Thursday night last week. I think they'll figure some things out. Um, uh, yeah, and I just I don't trust that San Diego defense. Uh, Martavius Bryant back. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Steelers. Feel pretty good about it too. Plus three. I I am uh, I'm fully expecting a push on this game. I I just kind of feel like the Chargers are gonna are gonna win it with a field goal at the end of the game. Um, you know, it's gonna be tied, and the Chargers are gonna win it by a field goal. The reason I'm taking the Chargers is uh, just that uh, that wounded dog thing. You know, where the you lose your quarterback the first game out, you have a good effort because everybody raises the level of their game because they know they have a new quarterback, and then the second game is when you need to go against that team that lost their quarterback. So. So I'm, I'm going to say the Steelers. You know, they had their good effort and they and they lost to the to the Ravens by like three points, right? And they should have won that mm-hmm. game. They they played they played yeah. well enough to win in that game. Um, so for that reason, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say the Chargers get a get a week of looking at Mike Vick on video, you know, and what he what he can do right now, and they'll figure out something. And I think the Chargers. I'll, I'll take the Chargers minus three, and again, you know, it'll probably be a, a field goal game. Well, I want to quote, yeah, like you said, Pittsburgh gave away that game on Thursday night. But I want to quote uh, Dan Dan Hines, Mr. Burgundy himself, from his Monday morning breakdown. I think he had the best piece of writing I've heard about that whole game on his Monday morning breakdown is when he said, you know, they went for it on fourth down in overtime and, and missed it, obviously. You know, Vic took a snap, and as soon as he took a couple steps to his left, you knew he was running the ball, and, of course, he got tackled. Uh, but I know your kicker had missed two field goals, but not only do you – if you don't send him out there for the kick, not only do you destroy any confidence that kicker had left in him, but you also give Baltimore the ball with great field position. So – and that, that was ultimately uh, the decider. So um, – And Baltimore. I understand, but – yeah, and Baltimore has Justin Tucker too. Yeah, yeah, and who who knew it would uh, pay to have such a good kicker this year? But uh, certainly has been the case. So uh, yeah. that's all we got for you. Uh, what? How would it, since we have a couple minutes left here, Chuck? How, was there uh, a lasting effect of the uh, the kicker the kicker stinkage last week? <laughs> Uh, on uh, on Vegas there, <sighs> haven't really looked at it from that standpoint, Josh. I, any any time a kicker misses a field goal, you know the betters are pulling their hair out around here. Um, it there was. Let me look at the games. There was one game that happened last week, a late game that really killed everybody, and uh, I believe it was the uh, the Saints beating the Cowboys was really big here. Uh, not no kicker was involved, but the Saints were like uh, four point favorites, and then to get the uh, the touchdown in overtime put them over the numbers. Well, pretty much everybody who had bet on the Cowboys, and that's usually all of America because the Cowboys are America's team, you know. Um, everybody who bet the Cowboys went, you know, was thinking, well, they're they're pretty safe getting four points, you know, with the Cowboys, and probably be decided by a field goal in overtime. So that's the way that goes. Uh, that was a big one. I think a lot of people went down on the Seahawks game also. Seahawks have become, especially at home, such a public favorite. And uh, so, you know, when, when when the Seahawks don't cover the number, especially at home, the the uh, the casinos win a lot of money. Okay. 
Um, very good knowledge there, Chuck. Appreciate that. I, I'm going to give you a homework assignment, though, next week because you're so good okay. at it and I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, but uh, I want to know in our clean sweeps this year, I know I know you can probably pull up our record pretty quick, but I want to know our record in our clean sweeps for next week, um, including the ones we had this week, and that would be St. Louis, Chicago, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and the Giants. But I want to know our records when it's uh, – one, we're picking the dogs as opposed to when we're picking the favorites. On all of them? Just, just, just in the clean sweeps. For the whole season? Yeah. Oh, no, that's I your, can't do that. Homework. I throw them away after each. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mark okay. them down, and I only keep the last the, the, the week before. I'm sorry, Josh. Okay. I would have well, uh, I would have done okay. that. Well, I, well I, got, I, got, I got all my picks this week. In front of me, and I think I or I got all my picks for this year on one piece of paper. It's severely torn and looks like chicken scratch, but I'll, I think I can. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll come close. We'll put it that way. So. Well, we've got to remind everybody that of our, our clean sweeps this week. We all uh, we all agreed on the Browns plus six and a half against the Ravens, the Bears plus nine and a half against the Chiefs, the Eagles minus four and a half against the Saints. Although we don't feel too good about that one. Uh, the Rams plus nine against the Packers, and surprisingly, a seven-point favorite, the Giants, over the 49ers. Maybe I should go the other way on that one. <laughs> uh, too late. Um, I, I would, you know, I would almost go as far to say I kind of feel a little dirty about picking the Eagles in that game, just just a little bit, even though they're not the Dirty Bird team. I just feel a little dirty. About it. Um, but that's all we have for you. Is I don't want to end it with a statement like that, but I just did. So, uh, Chuck, as always, thank you so much for joining us and helping us along the way. Uh, Nick, any closing thanks, thoughts? Thanks, Josh. Um, well, I guess just uh, Dolphins fans, enjoy your bye week. I know as a Redskins fan, many years I do enjoy that bye week. So <laughs> it's always nice when your team's <laughs> struggling just not to have to worry about it for a week. <sighs> You're underselling your boys so much. I don't think they're a playoff team, but they're they are competitive. They are a competitive NFL team. Um, until they go on a four-game winning streak, so or losing streak. Thank you very much for joining us. This has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Uh, good luck with all your fantasy matchups, and hopefully you were able to to fill your bye weeks uh, adequately. Uh, I know I'm missing Jarvis Landry, speaking of the Dolphins. Some of you are probably missing, missing Greg Olson, TJ Yeldon, so on and so forth. So hopefully you were able to make up for that. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Bowl Podcast with J.D. Gilbert, Roger, and John Johnson.